traveled over to Westfield, Indiana in 2018 to visit Jake Gilbert at Westfield High School, the Shamrocks. And uh, Coach Gilbert had formerly coached at Wabash College, a very high-level football coach, and uh, really, he ended up doing five total videos. Uh, these two right here are incredible. I think you'll enjoy them. If you want to see them, uh, they are on our YouTube channel now. If you want to see our most recent stuff, that's over at clinic.chiefpigskin.com. Welcome. My name is Jake Gilbert. I'm the head football coach at Westfield High School. I've had the pleasure of speaking for Chief Pigskin on a few videos in the past. I've also had the pleasure of being a defensive coach for 20 years now. Uh, I love coaching defense. I believe in it, and I believe that if you want to be a great defense, you need to hit the quarterback. Uh, one time I uh, worked for a, a man who taught me a lot about defense, and that was his number one demand, is that if we can take that guy out of the game, we don't have to worry about the guys he's throwing to that much. Make sure that when you think of a pressure package, that you're not just reducing that to one version. This talk will be about multiple components of pressuring the passer. It could be a blitzer. It could be having a great three-technique defensive tackle. It could be having a great weak side defensive end. Whatever you need to do to pressure the quarterback is uh, the best game plan. This talk will be about a few different options and just some things to consider in making sure that you have a plan. Sometimes I feel like coaches have great plans for all kinds of components of the game. One thing I think they sometimes take for granted is, well, let's just rush the passer. I think you should spend as much time on that as any other facet of your game. We spend tons and tons of time defending the pass with seven on seven. I'm not sure we always spend just as much time on making sure that we're getting after the cue. Let's get started. First off, what does pressure do? Why is it so important? I think that all of these reasons are true. Number one, it creates takeaways, which is always the number one statistic on deciding a game. If we take the ball away from our opponents, we win at about a 90% clip at Westfield. Well, one of the best ways to get takeaways is to force the quarterback into errant throws. So we want to pressure the cue to create interceptions. Number two, it can limit explosive plays. Sometimes if you're doing a good job pressuring the quarterback, whether that be by pass rush, blitz, or whatever, he doesn't have a whole lot of time to throw it. In the last couple of years, we've defended quarterbacks who are going to Michigan, to Clemson. Uh, we, we see a lot of good quarterbacks in our league. We need to make sure that we get the ball out of their hands, even if we don't get the sack or hit the quarterback. We don't want him holding it very long because he'll complete it on us and generate an explosive play. Now this is a double-edged sword. I know for some people who need to blitz, sometimes blitzing can create explosive plays for the offense if they're good at attacking the blitz. I'm just saying in general, pressure can get the ball out faster, and if you do a good job keeping the ball in front, it won't expose you as much to explosive plays. Again, that could be you play cover two because you have a great front four. It could also be you're a great zone blitz team, whatever it may be. I think that obviously pressuring the quarterback can lead to sacks and throwing the ball away and deflected passes and just overall pressure and negative plays. Um, I think it attacks the key to the whole offense, the quarterback. We certainly tell our players, all players are created equal and we care about you all and everyone's important. And, but then in the back of our mind, we know, well, that quarterback position's a little extra special. So if we can attack the key to their offense, why wouldn't we? I think it limits what an offense can do. Offenses have tons and tons and tons of plays. I know we do. And a lot of those plays are, 
you know, we throw the ball down the field to try to generate scores and explosive plays. Well, if we're going to blitz and, you know, uh, we're hoping that the offense has to get the ball out faster. Or if we have great pressure up front and the offense has to get rid of it faster. Maybe they don't feel comfortable in the deep passing game because they, they don't have time to hold the ball that long. So what we would like is for our opponents to say, yeah, I just don't know if we can run these plays against Westfield because they pressure us so well. Today, so many offenses are rhythm offenses. The, the tempo and the no huddle and the various things that the spread offenses do, that they rely on, on tempo and they gain a lot of energy from that. Sometimes when you, you can negate all that is you force a negative play. If you keep them on their toes, if you're bringing relentless pressure, uh, I think a lot of that just makes the offense uncomfortable. So some of these rhythm offenses, a good way to disrupt that is to pressure the quarterback. And then lastly, uh, you know, I think you, you need to have this in mind when you're trying to exploit matchups. Whether that be, again, a, you have a great defensive tackle, which guard should he be on during the game? How do they set their protection? How can we free him up? Maybe it's a defensive end and they have a weak offensive tackle, or you know they protect to the field and he'll get a one-on-one -on -one matchup weak side. Or maybe it's a blitzer and you like your matchup of your blitzer versus their running back. Whatever the matchup is, I, I do believe that committing to having a pressure plan will help you exploit matchups for the good of your team. Okay, just quickly, effective teaching, make sure that you know how you want to teach it. So you have a goal line plan, you have a third down plan. I mean, what, just what's your pressure plan? And make sure you, you have in mind however you want to teach that. Whether you quiz the players, whether you show them cut-ups about what's going to work, whether you do pre-practice walkthroughs, whatever it may be, make sure the team feels the emphasis of this is our pressure plan. This is what we're going to do to get after the quarterback. Build confidence into them and, and be intentional about the emphasis on we're going to hit the quarterback and make sure they understand what the pressure, the, uh, pressure plan is and how you teach it. And then make sure you practice it the right way. How are you going to read if it's run or pass? What's the fastest way for you to know it's a pass so that you have that time to get to the quarterback? Make sure you've put time into that and you practice that. How do you take on pass blocks from offensive linemen, from running backs, from tight ends? Is it different? Is it the same? What do you do? Have a plan to practice that properly and know how much you need to work your plan, whether that be we need to work these stunts or blitzes all together or individually we need to work certain moves. How much do we go against a partner? What can we use to go against bags even in the offseason? Uh, how much do we need to rush against running backs? How much do we need to rush against linemen? I'm just saying have a plan to have quality practice and make sure that those things match up. If you look at how offenses protect against you, what did you see last season? Now, will your practices match what you actually see in games so that you can get good at beating what you actually need to beat? And then lastly, just wanted to reiterate, we, we teach kind of all of the above. I believe on the pass rush standpoint, you need to let guys eat and let them do what they're good at. So we will teach a chop with an inside hand. We will teach a rip. We will teach a swim or a punch over. We'll teach a bull rush. We'll teach a, a push pull. We'll allow guys to spin. I know that's a lot and everyone's not into all that, but neither are our players. We want our players to have at least one go-to move that everyone's really, really good at. And then from there, 
what else can they master? Some guys are small and maybe they don't feel comfortable with a bull rush, but maybe some guys are lightning fast and so bull rush is part of their repertoire because they get an offensive tackle on their heels. Maybe some guys are inside hand rushers and they like to on their third step swat it down with their inside hand to stay square to turn the corner. Some guys are do a little bit better at bringing their outside hand to swat and then get a rip or a swim so they can flip their hips and try to get around the, the lineman. So we try to teach all of the above to our kids and then during season we really want them to work on their moves and what they're best at. That's a little bit different approach than saying, okay, everyone line up, we're gonna work on the swim. Well, some guys shouldn't swim and some guys shouldn't bull rush. We want guys to work on what is going to actually work for them. So in the off season, we teach it, uh, the summer we teach it, but when we kind of get to the fall, we, we wanna gain dividends. So a couple clips here to show you on film on what I'm calling those moves and then we'll move on uh, to a little bit more schematic approach. Okay, the first clip I'm going to show you is just to kind of prove my point. I think pressure can absolutely force the quarterback into doing things he doesn't want to do sometimes. Sometimes you get interceptions not because you're great in the secondary, but because the quarterback has never all year practiced stepping up and throwing a comeback uh, with, with a guy in his face. And then lo and behold, he throws it to our guys. So that's a good reason in and of itself to have pressure. Now let's point to a couple moves. Up here at the top of the screen is a speed rusher. Uh, th this kid was explosive, and sometimes we didn't make it too complicated. Just use your speed and literally run around the offensive tackle if that works for you. So you can see great speed coming here. The ball gets out, but again, an interception. Good job just turning the corner. You watch here, he just kind of blows by the offensive tackle on his way. Inside here on our right, number 52, our three technique, uses an inside chop. Good move for him. Wanted to show this as an example. Here's a clear picture of it. Chop right there. Now you can see he turns it right into a rip because he's not able to get by and turn the corner, and that's okay. But we like the chop for some guys on the inside hand. Okay, at the, to the right of the screen, defensive end. Good example of the rip. So we want to continue to rip, rip, rip around the offensive guy. Third step, rip, rip to the sky. Get the corner on the offensive lineman. Another example of a rip, same kid to the left here, good speed rusher. Not very big kid, great technician. Watch the dip on the rip on this one. Dip and rip underneath that big offensive tackle and get to the quarterback. Great job on a speed rip right there. Okay. Here's a, an inside guy who played for us this year who was good at the swim. This was his move. So our nose guard here, you watch him swim the right guard, number 70 right there, 69 for us. Good job getting pressure. Here he is again in the A-gap. He's in a two-eye. He's going to slant and swim the left guard here. So good, good arm over, we punch over, we don't swim real high and give them a blocking surface, but we do still call it the swim. We teach some guys to just swim hands, uh, which looks kind of like a chop. That again, we're flexible, but teach it all, and then we, we go with what's best for our players. Watch our nose guard here on the bull rush on the center. Good move for him, powerful kid, explosive hips. Not for everybody. Certainly not for the other two D linemen in the game right now, but a good movement for this kid. 
Watch him take 51 straight back into the quarterback. Hands inside, push, good strong hit. Great pass rush. Okay, here's a push-pull. So on our right, defensive end, he gets just a little bit of a bull. Really, this is a bull generated off of speed. So if they were to get in a fight in a phone booth, this defensive end and this offensive tackle 65, it would not look pretty for our team. Okay, but he is much quicker than this offensive tackle. So he gets this guy on his heels a little bit, gives him just a little bit of bull so he can sense it and then do a push-pull move with a quick swim or quick, quick rip over the top. So sometimes we have push-pull where uh, guys are big and strong and can push and pull a guy down. Sometimes we have bull and pull when it's really generated out of speed. Here's the spin move. Our defensive end on the left side spins back under here, hits the quarterback. We do allow the spin. I know some coaches are against the spin. I personally am not. Especially if you're going to pass the quarterback, that's a great way to come back under. You're going against a less athletic player, so a more athletic movement, if you're a good athlete, is a good idea. So those are some of the pass rush moves we, we show and teach. Um, if your pass rush is not working, or if you're not a great pass rusher from an individual technique, get good at this. Get your hands up when the quarterback is going to throw the ball and the ball is coming out. Here you see a defensive end with an interception. That would be a best case scenario. We've gotten a lot of interceptions over tip passes in the year when we get our hands up. Okay, now let's go back to a couple slides. With your pressure package, how do you tell if it's working? I mean, it's easy to look out there and say, well, we got three sacks this game, or we got four sacks that game. But you know what? Sometimes the other team can just prevent you from getting sacks. Sometimes they can just make sure they don't throw it or make sure they throw it and get rid of it so quick that you can't get there. So your pressure package may still be effective even if you're not producing the obvious, which is quarterback sacks. So a couple other things to measure. Number one, again, like I said, takeaways. How many takeaways do you generate uh, if, in particular, when they throw the ball, obviously? So when they throw the ball, how many interceptions do you get? How many strip sack fumbles do you get? Are they game changing? Can you count on your pressure package to deliver for you? And then yards per play. So this would be an example of just the passing game in general. If they're checking down constantly because they, they can't hold the ball, that's a good thing for you. You get them in third and long, they throw a hot receiver because of a blitz package. You come up and make the tackle and they punt, that's a great play. So looking at yards per play is, a, is another obvious thing that I think you ought to look at. Now, let's say you play an opponent and they know they can't protect. And they know that they certainly can't protect against your package. But every time they get in third and long, they just run the ball or they try to throw a screen or something like that. That's a pretty good sign for you. And so even though uh, you may not get the quarterback sacks, maybe you don't even get the takeaways. Maybe the yards per pass attempt are super low because they know they can't throw the ball down the field because your pressure package. So if you look at that holistically, sometimes the scheme of what you do may dictate a future opponent and prevent them from doing what can beat you. And that's still effective if that's the case. What about explosive plays? Are you corralling the explosive play? Does your pressure package help you do that? If you do find a team that's willing to throw it down the field and they're connected on you all day, you, you better find a way to get to that quarterback. So whatever you were doing, you better bring more numbers or something to hit that quarterback or move that quarterback. Um, but if not, then hey, your pressure package is probably pretty good. When they throw it, if that does not produce any explosive plays in the passing game, 
keep doing what you're doing. Efficiency, kind of by a play, but also by down and distance. What is the goal of the play? Obviously, for any offense on third down, the goal is to get however many yards they need for the first down. How many first downs are you giving up in those scenarios uh, by pass? Do you need more pressure on third down? Do you need to play more coverage and not blitz? Do you need to position your best pass rusher better or just make sure he's in the game? Maybe you have the kid on the sideline who's a pretty good pass rusher, but not a very good run defender. Well, what's your efficiency numbers say? Uh, if you're not doing well in passing situations, maybe that kid needs to play a little bit more. Just take a look at that. And then self-scout. You want to keep them on their toes a little bit. You don't want them to, to guess wrong. So I, I don't think your pressure package can be all anything. Maybe you do have a great front four, and you want to play cover two uh, when, when it's a passing situation. Th that's a great strategy. But I think you have to mix in a little bit of blitz or a little bit of odd front or a little bit of something else so that they don't always know how to protect you. Maybe you're a blitz team. Great strategy. But maybe you need to also bluff and bail out of there a few times so that the offense doesn't you know, constantly screen you to death or hit pop passes over your blitzers and things like that. Okay, I really believe in getting matchups here. Uh, use your game plan time to figure out how can we get to the quarterback. Which running back should you attack in protection? First of all, do they release him? Is he even in there? Maybe they get him out, and so you can get a free runner to quarterback a lot. And I've always been willing to give up a short completion for a hit on the quarterback. I think that takes its toll over the course of a game. So if they're not going to protect with the running back, then by all means, bring some guys to, to hit the quarterback. If they do use running backs, tight ends, fullbacks, what's the matchup? Is he a light guy that you can bull rush and bull over? Is he soft and not light contact? Maybe he's a big aggressive guy who leans and lunges and attacks really well and is maybe over aggressive. So therefore a, a swim move or a bull and pull is a, is a good idea. Uh, maybe he takes away the inside really well and so you know to not jab and come back inside or maybe the opposite's true. He's gonna attack, you know, attack the blitzer real wide and you can get the inside path. What about the offensive linemen? Um, are they short where you can swim over them? Maybe you want to put your tallest D lineman on that kid in a passing situation. Maybe they're slow and you want to put a speed rusher in there. We've seen teams over the years play four defensive ends at D line in passing situations. Get a speed guy on a slow guy. Maybe they lean and you know that you can push pull uh, or you can swim over them or, or spin may work. Maybe they overset real wide and an inside rush works. Maybe they bury their head and stunts work. Just really scout out the guys who are in charge of protecting the quarterback and attack them and try to create the best mismatches. It's easy to maybe scout it out and say, oh, this guy's bad at this and this guy's bad at that. Well, that, that's step one. But then step two is, okay, well, we realistically have three guys who are good rushers, um, one linebacker blitzer and 2D lineman. Well then position your guys where they need to be so that you have the greatest mismatch possible. Don't just say, well, the way we line up, their best pass protector is on our best pass rusher. Well, why would you allow that? I mean, never allow that. Make sure you get the matchup you want. And then how do you use your personnel once you're in that situation? So we just talked about 
positioning your players for these matchups. So if you do have a good blitzer, find a way to get the running back. He's normally going to be the weakest protector between O-line and running back. Those guys like to run the ball for a reason. They probably don't like to protect blitzers. So how can you get the running back with a DB or linebacker blitz? Make sure you understand where he's going to protect. Does he protect to the field? Does he always protect to the side of the quarterback that he lines up on? Um, can you find a way to read it and then attack him? But attack him and get the matchup that you want. And then with stunts, you, you know, maybe you don't want the stunt. Maybe you have the winning matchup, just let your guy rush. But then sometimes, whether it be the, a deficiency of the offense or just your guys, maybe they're better on the move, figure out a way to, to help them and put them in the best position to succeed. So sometimes, you know, a guy who moves really well, if he just rushes straight up, not as good. Let that offensive lineman do what he practices all week and just snap the pass, set, and block. Well, don't allow that. Slant him. Move him. Um, maybe they are pretty solid, but they don't work defending twists and games and various things um, nearly as often as they do just straight pass pro. So maybe you need to twist and run games a little more often than you normally would to spring one of your guys free. If if they're better than you up front, then you probably need more movement to help your guys out. And then just a concept I want you to consider, some things we're working more and more and more on as we go forward. We don't always have across the board great pass rushers, but we have starters. Sometimes the reason they play is they're great run defenders. So some guys are just good solid players. Some guys are dynamic pass rushers, so forth and so on. We want to make sure that we let the dynamic pass rushers go. And we don't want to hinder those guys too much. We want to find how to use them best and let them get after it. But then sometimes we play a guy, again, who's just a good, solid player, very, very good run defender. We believe in stopping the run first, and so he's out there. Well, sometimes maybe that guy would actually serve you better by caging the quarterback and you giving a little more freedom to the dynamic pass rusher. And I'll show you some examples of what I mean here but sometimes you need to use your personnel to their strengths. So let's go back to the video. Okay, so as we look at the video here, just a couple slants here to, to start off with. You watch our defensive end here on the left. Pretty good athlete, pretty good on the move. Watch the offensive tackle. He gets in a pass set and then immediately lunges. Well, this is a young guy for us. He's not very strong yet, so he wouldn't be real good at a bull rush or a bull and pull. But he's pretty good here at a slant. So I think we do a good job of allowing him to use a little movement and beat that defensive end. That was the best thing for him to earn that sack. Here's another example of a slant. Leads to an interception. This was not a very mobile quarterback, very good player, very good passer, but forcing him out of the pocket and letting him run a little bit did not scare us. In fact, that's what we wanted. So we did a lot of pinching here this game and slanting defensive ends inside and then trying to get him to the outside. And again, good, good matchup for our defensive end on that particular play. Okay, I'll show you a couple different versions of the twist here. Here's an end and tackle twist. So we've kind of set this up to where we want to get penetration. We thought this defensive end for us did, does a good job of just bullying and pushing through the pile. Not a great speed rusher, but a pretty strong kid. We loop our, news, our, I'm sorry, we loop our nose around to the outside. And that way, if the quarterback released to his right, 
We had a contained player, and then we had a spy linebacker in case he released right up here through the middle, which he does, and our spy linebacker does his job for the most part. So again, we're going to twist on one side, try to use a player to their strength. We've got a bull in a china shop defensive end here, tall kid, good against the run. We've got a nose guard right here. So to the right, we feel like we've got it covered. If we get pressure and the quarterback has to move, on the left, we're allowing the speed rusher to just rush up the field. He's got a two-way go. He stays outside, but then you can see our linebacker there who's the contained player if the quarterback escapes on that side. We're more and more using concepts like this where we have some guys tied into moving the quarterback and some guys tied into caging the quarterback. Another example of a twist here. You can see we just have a tackle nose twist on the inside. 52 is the slanter. Nose guard is going to loop around. 52 has pretty good feet for us. We want him to attack right away. And you can see here he slants through the, the A gap, gets good leverage, gets a good rush, just does not finish the play. Okay, now I want to show a little bit to set up this contain, uh, I'm sorry, this concept of caging the quarterback. So here you can see on the right, we're bringing an overload blitz. We've got four guys. We're going to flush the quarterback. Someone's going to come free. We're bringing more guys off the edge than they can block. The only way we can screw this up is if the weak side defensive end lets the ball outside of him, which he does. <laughs> so I'm sure you have uh, a lot of these plays on film like we do where you say, if you would just sit there, you would get the sack. But watch here. Poor job by that defensive end. Okay, here's another example. We're going to get pressure right away. We get a good swim move right up the gut. Quarterback's going to escape right through there. We don't break down or make the sack. And lo and behold, so I know they didn't complete a pass way down the field, but still a negative play for us. It's first and 10, and a guy rushes the ball for, you know, a first down. So, hey, great swim move by this three technique, but it's all for naught. Now, maybe the better coaching would have been if I didn't have our three technique and our defensive end right outside of him both getting up the field and creating this seam. Maybe the better coaching would have been if I had the nose guard come over here to the side of the guy with a two-way go, which you see him come late, but he doesn't make the play. Okay, and here's another example of an escape. So these are plays I'm pointing out as negatives. We're sure we got pressure, but the end result didn't really help us. So again, here we've got a defensive end and a defensive tackle ripping hard up the field on this side. They do a good job getting vertical pressure. But watch this, watch our nose. So our nose is in somewhat of a watch technique, and he, it's his job to cage the quarterback and keep him in the pocket. But he goes left right there, and that allows this B-gap to open up for the quarterback. So those would be three examples of what I would say we're trying to fix with our pressure package. So we got good pressure. We do a pretty good job of moving the quarterback oftentimes. Now we're trying to add uh, some components that do a better job caging him once we're, we're pressuring him. So here's one opportunity. We're going to spy with the linebacker. So here we, we bring good pressure from this side. Quarterback feels it, immediately wants to get up the field. 
Number 40 here sitting on the quarterback as the spy and immediately knows what to do. So on this third down, we're going to bring an outside edge pressure. Number 40, he's got a low zone drop for any kind of screen, take away um, any kind of quick under route, but you can see his eyes are on that quarterback and he does a good job completing the pressure. So we've got the initial pressure, now the completion. Sometimes you have some big guys in the middle that are good run defenders, not exactly good pass rushers. So here we are on a third and five. They could run, they could pass. This is a running team. You can see by this set, this is a running set with two backs in the backfield. But here they throw a pass. You watch here, our defensive ends are up the field. Third down, up the field. The quarterback steps up. Look how square our defensive tackles stay on this play. So to me, this is pretty good defense. So instead of just giving a gap to uh, allow the quarterback to escape, these guys aren't a great passing team. We're going to get up the field, force him to step up, which we think he likes to do anyway, and we're going to play our D tackles a little bit different and have them ready to come off and make the sack once he steps up, which works. Here would be another example up the field rushers right there. So very good job by our defensive ends getting up the field to the point the quarterback has to step up. Now we don't teach our guys to rush past the quarterback, but the honest truth is we say that, and all coaches say that, but it's, it's, that's easier said than done. If you're going to be explosive up the field, it's pretty hard to turn on the brakes. Um, you kind of need to be one or the other a lot of times. As soon as you pass the quarterback, we teach our kids to spin back inside or club and rip underneath. We do teach that. A lot of coaches teach that. But if a guy is fast and explosive, you kind of have to let him do what he does or else he'll never get there on a speed rush. So this is another example where he forced the quarterback to step up. And you watch 51 here. It's his job to kind of bull rush through the offensive guard and center and make the play when the quarterback steps out of there. This would be an example of a defensive end doing it right. So if we're going to blitz from one side and bring pressure from one side, we tell the backside defensive end, your job is not to speed rush up the field. Your job is to cage the quarterback, and you'll get the sack if we send it to you. So here would be an example. We're coming off the edge over here, bring two, two linebackers and a D lineman, and the quarterback's going to scramble away from the pressure. Defensive end does a good job caging the quarterback. Here we like it that we're forcing him to scramble to his left. Okay, here's one that we don't use much. It was taught to me by an NFL player uh, or an NFL coach. He said that um, they used to try this when they found an elusive quarterback like Mike Vick who liked to scramble. Um, I don't have a lot of tape on this, but I wanted to show it. What we're trying to do here is pinch down inside, which is um, always good against, say, the run and so forth and so on. But we're going to try to force the quarterback to flush and run. Once we flush him, our backside player is really fast. He's been on this film a couple times earlier. Not a very big guy, very explosive player. We think he can catch the quarterback from the backside like this. So you can see here on the left, we're pinching, forcing the quarterback to scramble outside. And now there's our defensive end catching him from behind. I would not do this if you're not real comfortable with the risk, but um, if you have a scrambler and you know he's going to scramble, that's just another way. And then the last one I'll show you is 
uh, not only stepping up, but, but when the nose clearly, our, our defensive tackle, it's clearly his job to, to cage the quarterback and he's going to bull rush. We don't really want him to sit on a line of scrimmage like we're seeing here. I'd rather him bull rush a little bit, but he is doing a good job of caging until he misses the sack right there. He's not a great athlete, but he does a pretty good job of um, not getting driven back. He can do a decent job of making the quarterback change directions and at least, even though he's not as good of athlete as number three here, he at least allows for him to change directions until our other players can get there. Okay, and then two more clips, um, just how to address sprint out and boot. Um, you know, we, we just make sure you coach it, okay? If they're a big sprint out and boot team, but just in general, we're always willing to give up a pass coverage to pressure the quarterback. So you can see here, we've got great pursuit. Guys know to get lateral and then reinsert vertical so that they don't get reached. We've got a couple defensive ends out here. It's gonna be hard for them to reach both of these guys on the left. Part of this is schematic. We think they may be able to reach one with that running back help, but not both. So we're kind of overloading where we think they would sprint out to the side of the back. And then we're also always willing to bring the linebacker as well. So here would be an example of boot, secondary contained by our inside linebacker. Again, we'll vacate a zone and pass if we need to, to get pressure on the quarterback. So he misses, but he does change the angle of the quarterback here so that our D-line can attack and make it. Okay, last part of the presentation here. Let, let's talk a little more uh, in general about organizing your pressure package. So whether you're going to rely on D-linemen and stunts or blitzes, whatever, I think it's really important that you have systems in place with your defense that allow you to set the front for any which way you need it. If you're dependent always on, say, the tight end, that may not get you those personnel matchups that we just talked about that were so important. So it could be as simple as you say on third and seven, you line up here. I, I understand that. But a lot of times, just systematically, you need to make sure that you can move your pieces and get them exactly where you want them, especially when it comes to blitzing. So we can set our front based on all these ways, to the field, to the boundary, to the back, to the tight end, away from the back, to the passing strength, uh, all, all kinds of things. Make sure that you have that kind of flexibility also. I really believe this, the passing game today, sometimes the ball is coming out so fast and there's so much RPO and all these things. When you need to hit the quarterback, if you can get indecision by making him hold it one more second, that one more second can make a huge difference. What are some of the ways that you can do that? Well, you can jam wide receivers and you can reroute the guys he's, he's reading and you can hang back on RPO and some of those things. That's definitely an effective way. If you reroute those guys and he has to hold it one more second, your pressure package has one more second to get there. That's huge. That's 25% of the time you get. Because usually that ball is going to be out in about three seconds if there's no pressure. And then the other thing is to make the guy um, move his feet. If you can pressure him and even if you don't get the sack, but he has to readjust and move in the pocket, then maybe you get one more second, okay? One thing I would say is there's an importance to having some diversity in your coverage. If your coverage is pretty much the same all the time, he's going to be pretty confident about where to go with the ball. So 
even if you're not great at rerouting and jamming wide receivers, which I would say is not a strength of ours, we hopefully make quarterbacks hold it just a little bit longer as they diagnose. So I do think disguise can be important. I do think it's important that you have a little bit of all this in your package and then do what you're good at. So maybe you jam and bail, maybe you jam and play man, maybe you have two high safeties and play two, but you also could roll down from that. You could blitz from that. Maybe you show one high and you really play quarter, quarter, half or combo co coverage or, or whatever it may be. We have all of these, three under, three deep. We can rotate strong, weak in the middle. We have two under, four deep. We have um, two under, three deep. Um, we have man free, we have zero, and we want to make sure that the quarterback can't just read us like a book, because again, if he holds it one more second, that may be the second you need for the pressure to land. And make sure you have some flexibility. If they're going to motion, can they just tell you're in man so easily? If they're going to motion, do they get you out of a blitz? Or more importantly, do they pull off the blitzer that you wanted to send? That's the real problem. You dial things up for a certain personnel mismatch, and now you can't do it. Uh, make sure that you, if you're a zone dropping team, a zone blitz team, make sure you're in control of your coverage and your blitzer and your dropper, no matter what the offense does. A lot of, the, a lot of zone blitz teams automatically drop the weak side end. Well, that's fine. But what if that's your best pass rusher? Then don't play him there or else drop the weak side defensive tackle. Find a way to, to make sure that your best pass rushers are rushing the passer. And then just conceptually, if you use different personnel packages, if you play nickel or you play dime or you have a base front and maybe you jump back and forth between even fronts and odd fronts, make sure that there's enough continuity in the concept that you can do these things and do what's best for your pressure without just automatically um, you know, limiting yourself. So you don't want to limit what you need to do to get pressure. I, I like to blitz. I like to, to blitz the, the quarterback, and especially when we're good at it and we have good blitzers. But sometimes I do it when we're not very good either because sometimes your D lineman can't get there, and so you need to send more numbers than the offense can block. Sometimes you need to force the action. Sometimes you have a player who's the best you have, but he's just a little bit better when you define it for him and you just send him. That's what I like about the blitz. So a couple things, you know, I just think if you keep your blitz package simple by concept, then you can be multiple or more multiple uh, than it seems. Offenses are always talking about, well, we don't run very many plays, but we run them out of a lot of formations and there's a lot of window dressing. Defenses can do the same thing. Maybe you don't run many blitzes by concept, but you have all kinds of flexibility in how you go about doing it. So just some, some simple concepts that I think you can have a little bit of this in your package, uh, may, maybe even all of this in your package. Obviously single blitzes. If you like the matchup, you got a great player or they've got a weakness and you want to exploit that and you just blitz one guy and that gets it done for you, that's great. My first year in, as a head coach, I was 25. We had one good player on defense. He was our Mike linebacker. He made every tackle. I never wanted to blitz him if it was a run. If it was a pass, I wanted to blitz him because he'd get there. So uh, sometimes just a single blitz is all it takes. Edge pressure, safe. Safe against run and pass, um, especially if you have a good athlete. Sometimes they even screw it up and don't pick the guy up. It gives you lots of options. You can use lots of different players. You can blitz off both edges. 
So uh, when it comes to edge pressure, one edge, both edges, smart, easy, effective. Two off the same edge. You don't want to get double gap, but you can potentially create overloads against the pass, but then still also fit correctly against the run. That's why I like sending two off of the same edge, which we'll talk about here in a little bit. Two up the middle, right up the gut, make them defend it. A lot of people, this is where their pressure package starts. Show me that you can defend the A-gaps. And two guys right up the A-gap, overload the A-gap, see what they want to do to stop that. It's the, we, we know that the quickest way to any point is a straight line, so blitzing right up the A-gap, pretty good way to move the quarterback. Now read blitzes. Sometimes you want to blitz in a way where you read and get the matchup you want. Maybe they're under center or in the pistol and the running back hasn't declared. Maybe they'll protect with their running back on the side of the quarterback or he'll cross to the other side post-snap. But that's the guy you want to blitz, so you may need to read it. We've blitzed where we've read the running back. We've blitzed where we've read the formation. We've blitzed where we've read the center all post-snap. Those are all uh, pretty good ways to get the matchup you want. Overload blitzes. You're pretty sure it's not going to be a run. Uh, you can overload and, and play man. You can overload and play zone and keep it pretty safe in the back half, but still overload the protection to where someone has to come free. And then lastly, zero blitzes. Bring one more than they have. Also an overload, but a little more risky in coverage, obviously, because you know that um, there's no help by a safety over the top or anything like that. But still, a pressure, if you're trying to force the issue and pressure the quarterback and get the ball out fast, great idea. Okay, just want to show you three of those simple concepts we just talked about, have them drawn up, and then I'll show you some clips. Um, edge pressure, pressure, we're going to send one off the edge, but we could send one off of either edge. If you're on the side of an edge pressure as a defensive end, you've got the B-gap read. I think this is really important if you want to pressure the quarterback. So you're going to take a lateral step and look right at the offensive tackle. If the offensive tackle uh, blocks out or blocks right at you, then just dip and rip and get into the B-gap. But if the offensive tackle steps hard down inside, you still have the B-gap, but you're going to do it from behind him. So you're going to let him clear, and then you're going to come off the edge. A lot of times in the pass game, they, uh, offenses may go full slide. Find a way that you can get them into full slide and do this. If every time you show a, a bear front, uh, a tackle, nose tackle, if let's say they're going to slide their offensive lineman one way and bring the running back off the edge, the best way you can pressure the quarterback, get a two-on-one on that running back. One guy inside, one guy outside. This is an easy way to do that. If you use edge pressure, have your defensive end, step, read the offensive tackle. If he slides down inside, come off his butt and be inside of the running back or any other blocker. That way you can get that two-on-one from your edge blitzer and your defensive end. Your other players play normal. If there's no blitz their side, um, the, the, offensive, the defensive tackle on the side of the blitz, he needs to rush the A-gap no matter what, run, pass, or whatever. Okay, if you bring edge pressure, you can bring outside linebackers. Obviously, you can bring an inside linebacker around the edge. You can bring the corner off the edge. Very, very effective. Lots of teams do it. That's great run or pass. You can bring a safety from depth off the edge. Um, you can cross them, send the end up the field, and bring your edge rusher into the B-gap. There's a lot you can do. Very safe blitz. So here's an example of just bringing the weak side inside linebacker off the edge. 
and playing a three under three deep versus an 11 personnel two by two set. Okay, now two off the same edge, a little more complex. We're gonna blitz two guys now instead of one. Um, the movements for the D-line, similar but different. Okay, we wanna make sure that the blitz side end has to get all the way down into the A-gap, whether that be a stick or a long stick, anything you wanna call it. We tell our guys, no matter where you line up, when we're using this concept, that he could be in a three technique and the bear, he could be in a four eye, he could be in a five, he could be hit up on the tight end, doesn't matter. You've got to end up in the A gap. The blitz side tackle is going to rip across the center's face into the opposite A. And then on the back side, those guys are playing ball. If it's a run, just playing their gaps. But if it's a pass, it depends on if we're dropping one or not. One of them is going to have to contain. One of them is going to have to engage the offensive lineman and then drop into coverage and cover the running back or a tight end or whoever we have them covering that week. Now for the blitzers, we have an edge blitzer who has to set the edge of the defense, keep contain on the quarterback, and then the inside blitzer. The inside blitzer is going to replace the defensive end on the last concept we talked about with regular edge pressure. The inside blitzer is going to blitz right over the offensive tackle. He needs a blitz from depth so that he doesn't rush it. And the whole thing will unfold, he'll be able to read it like a book. If he blitzes from depth and runs right at that offensive tackle, the offensive tackle will either step out or step at him, and if that happens, he, he rushes right through the B-gap. But if the offensive tackle steps down with that defensive end, who's on his way to the A-gap, we want to come tight off of his hip and be inside the running back or any other blocker so that we can get a two-on-one and pressure the quarterback that way. Okay, you can bring an outside backer and an inside backer. You can bring a safety and an inside backer. You can bring an outside backer and a safety. You can bring the corner and a linebacker. So lots of flexibility still here, even though it's more complex bringing two guys. You can swap those guys. You can line up and do it from up and run stunts where one guy's behind another guy. You can do all of those things. There's a lot available for you there. It may be different if you're a three-man front or a four-man front or a five-man front, and you may have some rules to diagnose, but in all those defenses, you can run this concept. Okay, here's an all-American blitz that everyone in America runs. Outside linebacker and inside linebacker coming off the edge. You can see here the end down into the A-gap. Nose to the opposite side. In this instance here, we're, we're dropping a defensive end. And a tackle is looping for contain. And again, we're in a three under three deep. Okay, and then the last concept we'll talk about is two right up the middle. Um, Two inside blitzers, whether that be the A and B gap or both A's, that's really up to you. There's lots of effective ways you can do it, but we generally want to make sure that the blitz side end, he's got to set the edge. Now that we're blitzing on the interior, the edge rusher has to be the end. And if we flush him, those ends, we need to make sure that they don't lose contain like we saw earlier in the video. Uh, the, the blitz side tackle has to go opposite of where your blitzes are going. He may need to go to the opposite A if you're blitzing A and B. Maybe he needs to go to the play side B if you're blitzing both A's. But those three guys have to work uh, in concert together. And then backside's the same. If it's a run, play run. If it's a pass, one of those guys has to probably drop. If it's a zone, if it's man, they can both rush. But one of them has to know they're the contained rusher. You can bring both inside, you can bring an outside and an inside linebacker. 
You can bring a safety and an inside linebacker. You can swap guys. Um, very common blitzes here, but still very, very effective. So here's just a two right up the middle against, a, again, a two-by-two two formation. A very common blitz here. Everyone should have in their package. Bring the mic and the wheel right up the gut. Cross them. Okay, let's watch some film. Okay, on the film, I'm not going to show you all the myriad of blitzes that we do, although we have all those concepts that I talked about and we use all those players that I talked about. More just kind of want to talk through a couple coaching points and show the effectiveness of this when it comes to pressuring the quarterback. So, so this is just a player being a player. We had an explosive safety. We obviously like him in coverage, but we also like to blitz him. Why not? So a lot of times in protection, people are not looking for the safety. A lot of times, um, especially in this RPO uh, era that we're in, you know, quarterbacks, it takes quite a while for them to read and diagnose that running, that linebacker, uh, and then maybe they're going to hold it and be unprotected because the running back's faking. So here's just a good example of sending a safety just because he's a good matchup for us. Here's another just single blitz here. We're going to blitz the inside linebacker. This is a read. He's on the side of the running back. Uh, the running back stays on that side, he feels, and so he steps up and blitzes. Again, blitzes do great things, put quarterbacks in jeopardy and make them get the ball out a little faster than they want to sometimes. So again, just a single blitz. If you like the player, if you like the matchup, you don't have to make it very complex. Now let's show a few of those other concepts. So just simple edge pressure. Again, a blitz that everyone should have. Um, we're just blitzing two guys off the edge here. I'd like you to, to look down here at the bottom. So the defensive end, he's got the tackle read. So if you watch, he's going to take a step, and he's a pretty quick player, but he's actually reading this offensive tackle, and now we're putting him in a bind. So even though they pick it up on this side, we get what we want um, on the top side. So on the top side, we're bringing too many guys for them to block. The offensive tackle doesn't know who to take. We get a free runner at the quarterback. He's not the guy that makes the sack, but you can see a, a great attack out of our guys to get there and complete the sack by the backside defensive end. So lots of guys coming free on that play and would force a fumble. Okay, another example of edge pressure here. Again, we're bringing two. So if you notice down here at the bottom, the running back steps up and takes the edge blitzer to the field. The offensive tackle stays on the defensive end. That's fine. We like our matchup with the safety who's coming uh, against this running back, so that's good. Up top, if you notice, the offensive tackle's a little bit in a bind. They've set the protection where the running back is coming this way, so really they need to get the guard on the defensive end up top and then the offensive tackle on the edge pressure up top. He's just kicking back because it's essentially a zone. We're wide enough that he's not going to, to be able to block us. We get great edge pressure up top. Unblocked defender gets to the quarterback. Another edge pressure here. Fast players being explosive, setting up a boot here. I love edge pressure into teams that sprint out and boot. Feel like it's safe against everything. It really kind of defines it for us. I like when their guys are in a bind and we have a better athlete than they do, that helps. Okay, up top here, 
again, you notice sometimes it's just not built into their system. Some of these spread teams, it's just not built into their system for them to get the outside linebacker, especially if he's real wide. Part of their system is to throw the ball and throw it to a certain guy. So you can force the ball to come out fast. I mean, it's second and 17. If they throw a five-yard pass, I'm okay with that. So even though we're only sending four here, we're sending an edge pressure. I've got a nose who's supposed to be caging and reading if the, if the quarterback steps up in the pocket. I've got a defensive end over here caging because we've got pressure coming off the backside. And he does his job and it works and we get a sack. Same team, we, we just felt like they were not going to block the edge pressure away from the back. So good opportunity for us to bring edge pressure. You notice here the offensive tackle is stuck on our defensive end who's trying to make a read. Kind of setting up a screen here it looks like. But we get an unblocked free runner at the quarterback who makes that difficult. Okay. This is just a, a simple example here of a cross blitz. With again a nose cage. So this is bringing pressure up the middle. And we want to make sure that we have someone prepared for the quarterback scramble. All right, now we're going to move on to two off of an edge. So you can see up top, we've got guys coming. We're going to bring two off the edge to the top from the field. I don't know here if we're blitzing the back on purpose or if we're blitzing the field. Not sure. But you can see a, a good edge pressure. The offensive uh, tackle kicks out and blocks the edge player. But our second guy gets there. So if you watch 34, he's now got the tackle read. He needs to slow down. Okay, the tackle comes down inside, so we want to come straight off of his hip. So I'd like for him to slow down a little bit more. He gets a little bit antsy, but when that offensive tackle gets stuck on that long stick by number 40, 34 is able to come right off of his hip, and now we've got a two-on-one. They try to kick out here with this protection. We get a two-on-one free runner on the quarterback. Here's a couple up the middle. I want to show this as an example of a burn, uh, what we would call burn swap, coming free. Um, the two inside linebackers. And then also show you this as an example of poor defensive end play like we talked about earlier. So here you see the cross. You see 52's in a bind. 52, the center, blocks one guy, then comes back and blocks the other guy. Now we've got the center and the running back blocking the same guy. We've got an inside linebacker running free. Great play for us, except for when our defensive end right here gets turned. Once our defensive end is no longer square, remember strength and square, squareness of strength, we lose contain. So if you're going to dial up some of these pressures, you have to make sure that the guys who will have the quarterback flush to them, it's just as important to coach those guys. Here's an example of the same blitz. We're going to cross. It's going to come free. and get a sack here in the middle. So uh, again, offensive center, a little confused, trying to block multiple guys. First he kicks to that, that nose guard, that nose guard goes away, so then he comes back, 
blocks one linebacker, then another linebacker, and it's too late. Great blitz right at the gut. Be another example, two off the edge here. Now what we would like for is for number 10 to somehow get inside of this puller. That would be nice. When you blitz a lot, sometimes teams' answers are to block down and kick out. But watch the movement by the defensive end when that happens. Sometimes that frees up your defensive end because that makes it pretty hard for the offensive lineman. Okay, here we just have an example of a one edge blitzer, but I've got it mixed with a stunt this time. So I wanted to show this. Blitzer off the edge down here, but great stunt for the D-line. So a lot of the focus for the offensive line is the edge blitz. They know we edge blitz a lot. They're kicking out that way. They know the defensive end is probably going to come inside, but while their eyes are on that, we run just a little bit of twist. We're able to get there with number 51 on that stunt. Okay, and then the last couple to show you are just a couple overloads. Uh, pretty simple. You don't have to make it complex. Get there and get there fast. Everyone has a gap. We do a read here on this one where the defensive end is going to basically run straight into the offensive tackle. If the offensive tackle kicks out to the edge rusher, then he continues to go, and maybe he's free. If the offensive tackle blocks down, then he comes off the edge, and we get a two-for-one off the edge. But this is an overload read in principle for us. So we have a defensive tackle in A gap, a linebacker in a B gap, the defensive end rushing through the tackle's alignment and reading him, and then an edge rusher. Here we get the edge rusher free. Show you from this angle. So there you see 72 is blocking the defensive end. So they bring the running back that they've got us all except for the overload. Here's another overload. Same. So the defensive end is taken by the offensive tackle, but essentially we're able to get pressure, force an errant throw. Thank you for listening. Uh, if you have any questions, if there's anything we can ever do or, or help you with, don't, don't hesitate to contact us. Again, I think you're going to have a lot of success if you can get after the quarterback, pressure him into making bad decisions, hit him a little bit. It limits a lot of what an offensive can do. That can be done in a multitude of ways. If you have a great defensive lineman, set him up for success with your matchups. If you have a great blitzer or can take advantage of something the offense does poorly, take advantage of it. But put lots of energy and effort into your pressure package, and it should produce great results in the games. Thank you. God bless.